Hi there, this is Kai Yen, and I'm at the lovely offices of J. Walter Thompson in Atlanta. And I'm here with a couple of folks that I'm super excited to talk about. Um, we're, and we're going to talk about branding today. And specifically, we're going to kind of start with a, this notion of like consistency across branding, because it's something that comes up all the time. I think as more and more branding gets kind of fractured across organizations, you have you know, corporate branding, sometimes recruitment branding, consumer branding, and then sometimes you get other, other groups within that, that each have their own kind of identity. Um, you know, the importance of keeping that consistent, how do you do it, and I've got a couple of, of uh, big thinkers in this area with me today. Um, so on my left I have um, Aisha Davis, who's Associate Creative Director here in Atlanta for JWT Inside. And then I've got uh, Stephen Nemeth, who's our uh, Director of uh, Strategy and Planning. So anyway, hey, um, how are you doing? <laughs> So, so anyway, you, you know the topic, like these are things, and again, I, I always like to sort of let people know, part of the reason why we love doing this so much is that we have such a conversational culture, that's like just a big part of what we do, and we sit around all day long talking about these things, and you know, decided it's, it's a really better idea to capture it on camera so other people can see it, share with it, so love that uh, we're here talking about this today, so anyway, so thoughts, thoughts on this? Well, we actually, as we were walking here, um, we were talking about uh, a really interesting aspect of, of consistency in branding, and I think it's it's very simple but very subtle, um, which is clothing. Um, and I know it sounds weird because um, we were talking about Asian's blazer. How do you get that really connection? <laughs> yeah, okay. like how, how's it going to connect? Now, right? But um, I think it's interesting because um, you know there, there's a trend right now. I think on, on a lot of career sites. Um, let me show like the innovation lab that we have, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's cool, it's, it's, right, it's a great way to show that you're innovative and fantastic, it's great, right? The problem is, in most organizations, that's not what most people wear or what your offices look like, right? Right. And so it's, it, it can be a bit misleading. So I understand that you want to present your best face and that, that's cool, right? It's the first date mentality, right? Like, you know, you put on all your makeup, put on your best dress, I get it. Right. But at the same time, like, it should be aware, especially when you're doing, like, photography shoots or stock photography. Mm -hmm. you know, what you choose actually matters. It's not just, yeah, that's what everyone else is doing, so maybe I should do it too. Yeah, like, if you all wear suits, like, wear suits. If you show someone wearing a hoodie and, like, you're a huge financial organization, like, they're going to walk in and be like, I guess this is what everybody is doing. So I feel like there, there's an aspect of consistency in branding and realizing that your people carry your brand. Um, and I, I think that, that that's really important to, to consider. And so, like, when you're starting this process, I mean, this is why we a lot of times like to do on-site where we can. And everybody says, we've got all the research. But, like, seeing it on-site in action is really, really important. And it's a, it's a personality trait, too, because, if, like, you see someone in the hoodie that's vastly different from the person that's in a white suit. Yeah. I mean, if your organization isn't, like, a place where people with that personality will wear a or wear jeans to work. Yeah. You know, it's not going to match well. You know that that's not a place that you're going to stay in. Yeah. I'm not that stuffy to wear a suit every day. Yeah. You know, I want some place that's going to be like me. That's going to, mm -hmm. I want to see myself. Not yeah. just, you know, oh, that looks cool, but I don't see me there. Yeah, and I think that the, the I don't see me there is really relevant because it, I mean, it, so much of this is about just connecting, yeah. right? And you want to feel like you connect with someone, they get you, mm -hmm. right? That, yeah. That's a huge part of it, right? If you're deciding between things, we can say purpose and compensation, those are all big factors, but like at the end, there's something more meta there, which is like, am I connecting with that person? Yeah. Do I like them? Because that's what you say like when you have a great job interview. It's like, oh my God, I love them, they were amazing, <laughs> and all that stuff. You don't say like, I really believe in the purpose of their company. Like that might be something you've discussed, 
but it's like you like them because it's like you want to be around them. You want to you want to be a part of that, and I think that that's where the authenticity play comes in, and consistency in branding, um, and and that's actually an important thing too. Is if you are a very fun brand in your consumer space and your corporate space isn't like that, it's a, that's actually a really important dis- distinction to make. So Red Bull actually does have a really good culture, but let, let's presume that for, for sake of, of argument that Red Bull actually has a very, very stuffy bureaucratic culture, mm-hmm. right? If you show everybody like in wingsuits and stuff like that and your, and your career side, I think that that's going to be misleading. Right. So yeah. it's like, use that, that and explain the difference, right? Like use that opportunity to explain like who you are and how you create it. And I think if done in the right way, it can help give a sense of like, you know, really who you are in a very authentic, because you, right. you are is who you are. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, the, just the notion that your, that your employees and what they wear actually sort of does need to be consistent across your brand, right? And when you're... You're going, to, you're going to show usually people, especially when you're talking about recruitment brands, right? Yeah. Where we know that there's usually a heavy emphasis on people. Right. And but but I actually never really thought about that aspect that you someone and maybe I do it when I look at it still, but it's sort of that subconscious that I look and maybe in a subconscious way I'm trying to see do I see myself in like one of those desks with those people mm-hmm. and would what I feel comfortable wearing at work, would that fit with what I see other people wearing in the photos? Mm-hmm. Listen, if everybody that I interviewed with was like, draw, you know, wearing like old dockers that were pleated and stuff like that, I'd be like, this is not a place for me. Right. But then again, on the other side, if everybody were wearing like leather jackets and stuff like that, I'd be like, this is not a place for me. So it's a, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a comfort because yeah. I think that that's what that consistency creates, right? Yeah. It, it, it's not jarring. I think visually, right, when you're looking at consistency and branding, that's a big part of it is you don't want those big jumps. You don't want those big, that jarring things. So if your corporate site reads one way, right, or your, your consumer site reads one way, and then your career site reads a very different way, like, to a degree you need to explain that difference either visually or through copy in, in some way, saying here's why these things are different. Because yeah. one begins the other. Yeah. yeah. This reminds me, sorry, I was, like, chuckling because I, this reminds me of uh, when we were looking about uh, a lot of the stuff that Zappos was doing, mm-hmm. and it was really, I mean, Zappos has been in the news a ton, it's been, what they've been doing is really interesting, and I think it's, I love that they're experimenting with their culture, and they're doing it in a big way, but, you know, they're making, they're making big bets, but, you know, what I, what I remember was, I was looking at their careers site, and they had this big photo that sort of showed um, this, you know, this area where, you know, a lot of people had cubicles or working, and the first thing I thought is, I could never work there. And the reason was, it looks like these people are all like tchotchke hoarders. Every cubicle <laughs> was piled high with like little things. But you know what? Like, I'm sure that's their culture. And I'm sure some people would love that. Um, I know yeah, so many people yeah. who love to have a cubicle where they can really make it their own and have all these personal things and feel that attachment. Yeah. And I'm like, that would drive me crazy. I can't stand okay. like junk that's yeah, like yeah. people's dust. <laughs> So to me, actually, that, that's a perfect example because that's very similar to like clothing, right? It's like the stuff you have in your cubicle yeah. is, is, is part of the brand. It's part of the personality. You kind of expect that. I mean, one of my favorite brands in the world is Everlane. Um, and I just think that they do, I, I mean, I love their clothes. I think that they just do a beautiful job of branding just yeah. in the pure consumer space. But it's interesting because if you look at their career presence, if you look at their Instagram, then they kind of show the behind the scenes. Like everyone is like wearing the right clothes. Everybody is sort of like mm. balanced in you know, their whites and their neutrals and their kind of, and their, their grays and their blacks. And it's so much a part of that brand. I mean, it's a fashion brand, sure, but it's, you know, if I went to 
Everlane to interview for a job, and everybody was wearing like really loud harem pants, I'd be like, the, <laughs> the what? And I think that it, 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 like, yeah. it is a disconnect, right? And, then you, and it, it actually creates a sense of like, they're trying to sell me on something. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would, it like, it reduces credibility, I think, actually, from a brand standpoint, mm-hmm. that, right. that, you know, mirroring that, it, you, you want to show your best side, but you don't want to say, you know, and I go back to the dating profile because it's, yeah. it's, it's relevant, but like, if you're 5'5", five, five, don't say you're six foot five, right? You can go five six. You're not even pulling off. But you're, you're you, not you, know maybe five seven. But like, don't say you're six five, right? Because it can reduce credibility. Yeah. And, and I think that, that that's where like consistency and branding is actually really important because it, it can create the element of trust. Right. And, and people can see that line through, particularly if you if you you know one of the, the classic tricks of advertising is put up all your collateral, right? And in there you know from an employer brand standpoint, put up all your collateral that maybe somebody has an onboarding. Put up your current consumer campaign if you've got one, um, or if you're B2B, you know, look at different marketing materials that you might have there. Print out various websites. Put them all on the board and say, where are the inconsistencies? Mm-hmm. Just from a quick visual thing, and if there are pieces that stand out, like figure out why they stand out and focus right. on it. Yeah, I don't know how we can make that mirror mesh together, mesh together. You yeah. know? Wow, that was like such a different place than I thought we were going to start off. I know, it was, right? but it, was it, was, it was interesting though. But because the because what I was really was really thinking originally was sort of this notion that you're you are we are we are seeing all of these brands being fractured by groups that want to have a little bit of like a sub brand and like a little individual identity within yes. the brand, right? So you have a internal organization that maybe is like a diversity focused like employee group, right. and they want to they want to brand themselves, right? right? They want to be be known and have a way for employees to talk about it easily. They have a lot of materials they want to push out. They want it to look and feel like the brand, but yet they want it to have their own identity. Yeah. I feel like half the half the organizations, it's like someone has like a logo collection, and they're like, "Get me as many logos yeah, as I possibly yeah, can." They're <laughs> like, "I'm sorry," just like every single group and initiative really needed yeah. different logos. Well, some brand guidelines say how to create new lockups with the logo, with the logo. that follows yeah. you, right? Like they kind of give you license by by providing it, and it, it's not. I mean, I understand that they want to have their own identity, but it does start to create some crazy your, your career page can end up looking like Times yeah. Square, right? When you, when you start to like start throwing like all the diversity logos out of every single group on, yeah. and they're like, here's this initiative, and here's this initiative, and it legitimately starts to look like one of those like, like the, the middle of, you know, Singapore or something yeah. like that. It's just like, oh my god, I can't, like... Like, what do I look at? What do I look at? Tokyo, like, Akahagura. Yeah, yeah it's, about, it's about, you know, your consistency is like, what are the key elements mm-hmm. making them consistent? And I think, you know, uh, one part that, Aisha, you, you've dealt a lot with is like brand colors and thinking about brand colors. So when your consumer colors are so relevant, like how do you, I mean, from a design perspective, how do you begin to like create subtle variants that can still complement the overall brand? I mean, it's it's all about making sure that they they work well together and that on that wheel. They're not yeah. too far apart where they still where it's so jarring. You want to make sure that they are within that same family, like for, you know, Jim, for example, they have that blue, that iconic blue. So we wanted to make sure that there's there's a subtle range mm-hmm. of which ones we could use and things that actually, um, that complemented it well. Yeah. But when it wasn't so jarring where it's like, wow, who is this? Because it's so poppy. We don't want to go too bright or too, mm-hmm. too pastel because that's not who they are. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that the brand itself was consistent throughout, and we used it up through color because we know that there are, there are vehicles 
they're not they're not pretty vehicles. They're not you know they're not flowery vehicles. They're not poppy vehicles. Yeah. And so their culture is not like that either. They wanted something strong and something bold, but not too bold. Well, I think that that's an interesting color, uh, interesting note in terms of like tone, mm -hmm. right? Because tone is both, is often referred to in a copy sense, but tone matters in, in visual, well, right? And I think it's important to understand like what kind of culture you have and be able to reflect that well, because we we do get into this situation and I've sat in a number of meetings where someone says like, I really want wow, I really want pop, and I'm like, I look around the meeting, I'm like, you're all wearing beige suits, <laughs> like, and I go to the place, I'm like. And like I know that you feel the excitement, mm -hmm. and that's really important. But like, you can still be excited and be a neutral, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And I think that, that right. that's where like let the creatives do that, right? And I think when it, it when it's this like overwrought thing, it can feel very very distant, mm -hmm. and and it might be pretty on its own, yeah. Right, and a lot of things can be pretty on its own, but then you start to put against the entire spectrum, and it's like. And that's the thing you have to have it make a have a purpose. Yeah. It's not just. Oh, I like this, but is it serving a purpose for the end user? Is it making sense for them? Because as designers, that's our that's our job to make yeah. that consistency throughout sexy for the end user and make it usable for them and make it make sense for them. Yeah. Because we don't want to have that disconnect between the consumer, the corporate, and the you know the employer brand that they all need to work together. So now, what what do you do in a situation though where? And there are a number of clients like this where the consumer brand and the corporate brand are really distinct, right? Where you have, you know, a corporate brand architecture that, that is a holding company that many people may not know about, right. and then all these consumer brands that might be very, very popular. How do you create that transition there? Well, I mean, we try to make that bridge between the two because we try to bring in the personality from each one of those brands, mm -hmm. but have that one core that's that ladders back up to the corporate. So when I like look and feel, we want to bring in the personality of Say, for example, um, Ann Inc., because we have that corporate brand, that look and feel, where we have to do that interim step, mm -hmm. where it was. We wanted to marry the individual brands to make it make sense and ladder back up to the look and feel of the corporate brand. So we brought in that personality, that look and feel, the colors, the voice for each one of those brands to make it make sense, but that overall sentiment at the core was still the corporate messaging mm -hmm. and the corporate feel. So we knew that this was all one organization, but each one has their own personality. It's like toning it up and down, but right, like, based it's on the same message carried through, but toning exactly. it up and down. Based on which brand it was, because we wanted to make it authentic to that brand, so it made sense, and it was extremely apparent that it was Loft, or Lewin-Gurd, or Ann Taylor. Yeah. So it wasn't that disconnect where it was Ann Inc. Because a lot of people don't know them. Yeah. You know, so making sure that it was that interim step. Play, like play, to what, play to what people know and then move them towards exactly. the corporate brand. And I think that that's interesting also when you think about the, like from a creative standpoint, where tone comes into play in terms of um, voice and tone of the people who are speaking for your brand. Mm -hmm. And where, you know, there are a number of brands who have very prominent CEOs or very prominent speakers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important from a creative standpoint to be able to capture that. And especially if you get a new CEO, looking back at your material. So if your former CEO was a very sort of rigid, up and down kind of traditionalist, right. and you get a new, new dynamic CEO, the first thing might be like, oh, we really need a new employer brand, this is a new brand, this new culture and all that stuff, and that's true, but like that takes a long time to develop. Mm -hmm. So as an interim step, right, you can sit there and begin to shift the tone of the copy. 
and you know maybe brighten up the colors and things like that. And those are those are nice like little tweaks that you can do that sort of reflect it. So it's not so jarring. Yeah. You know, when that transition actually happens. Yeah. If you got you know if you got T-Mobile and your CEO is dropping the <laughs> f-bomb at your place like and you've got these like it's it, it can be like you, you want to be aware of that and I think that that that's important because they're out there they're representing that brand as much as anything else that you're that yeah. you're doing and, and all those components I mean those are your employer brand right, right. it's not your employer brand isn't just your career site um, it's it's everything that happens and, and PR is a is, is a big thing to be able to consider and, and the power of your corporate communications to be able to communicate that message because you know they have those distribution channels that aren't always available to us right. you know and I think it's interesting also when you, when you think about the consistency um, I wonder from a technology standpoint because I see yeah. a lot of places it's like, oh, here's our career site, and then you click search jobs, and then there's like a second career site, and you know, and it's like, okay, and it's hosted by, by every, you know, and, and there's a thousand technical reasons for it, but um, I'm wondering, you know, I have my opinion, I'm sure you have your opinion, yeah. but I'm wondering from a technology standpoint, you know, are there SEO implications to that? Are there, um, you know, I know, that, I know that's the easiest technology solve, but is it the right technology solve? So I think today, you know, that's exactly what, what's happening is I think, there's really three really important things from a kind of a technology and digital side that um, you know that careers aspect needs to cover. One main one is you need this kind of entry point to start to actually talk about the brand, have the conversation. That's that kind of typical careers site piece. But then, and then you always have the apply, right? Yeah. This is your applicant tracking system, Toledo, Connexa, all of that. But then, you know, more and more, you know, what was happening was you had such a high percentage of people who were doing searches in Google that were creating like a you know, huge amount of organic traffic that was not going to any of those sites because they didn't have content that was, you know, changing that much. ATSs have terrible SEO. On a career site, you can do good SEO, but you don't have anything that's fresh that like like you have with job requisitions, yes. you know they're not always they're not always great from an SEO perspective. And to use the term fresh to describe most of them is horrendous. I know that's why you're laughing because it's kind of maybe bullet one competitive benefit, bullet two competitive compensation. Thanks. I know that it's there's an oxymoron like in there somewhere of fresh uh, job description, um, but you know that's great content. And if you aren't doing something that's SEO specifically with the job requisitions, then you're missing out on like a huge opportunity. So people often end up with these three layers. They've got the career site, they've got this kind of SEO layer that's really just um, all of the jobs, and then they've got the apply process they send people through. And the problem with this is that oftentimes it's hard to make it completely consistent yeah. in, in many ways. You know, one is that sort of brand consistency across, but then two, if, you know, we know people are accessing sites from you know, desktop, laptop, tablets, mobile devices, smart TVs, and not all of them are, are optimized well for all of those platforms. So then what happens is you end up where this beautiful careers experience, maybe it works great on this like 60 inch Samsung smart TV, and then you go to like get into the next layer, and all of a sudden it's like so tiny in this yeah. column that you, you, you can't even see what's going on. And then that's the point, of course, where everybody just is like, screw it, I'm gonna go back to you know, whatever, like Housewives yeah. in Atlanta. I mean, like, you, you give up, right? Yeah. And it happens all the time. Yeah. And people, people today, especially like you know, great candidates. I think we think of these people as being very busy. They don't, they don't have time to like deal with this. And I, and, and we see it. We we definitely see it in the analytics when we look at actual device usage, and we see that um, mobile device usage on career sites has lagged 
it, well, it's, 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 it's increased. It's increased. But it's lagged in the consumer side because people, and I believe it's because people's expectations are low because yeah. there's so many careers, sort of experiences that are very poor. Well, so. I feel like yeah. mobile apply kind of hovers along at this level. It's, it's a pretty low level. It hasn't really significant, I mean, a percentage right. up or down. Mm-hmm. Mobile usage of that site because now there is this expectation that like you can access anything from your mobile. But the reality is like, you know, somebody might sit there and pull out a phone, you know, when the friend tells them, oh, you got to check out this company, they, they might open there and say, like, so-and-so careers, mm-hmm. pull that open, right? That's a good, but they're probably not going to read it then. So it's like the, the cross-device usage becomes important. I think that that's actually another interesting part of consistency right. is, you know, I think yeah. fewer and fewer companies luckily have that MDOT experience, right? It's like MDOT careers dot, but you know, like, Which it's, like, like it's like the, you know, the, the panoply of so dots. Th- so uh, three years ago, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is good, you know, and, but I think that what we've talked about is like, responsive is really important, responsive is the first step, but adaptive is even more mm-hmm. important. And that's a harder, that's a harder ask, frankly. You well, know, but harder. I think the the best thing is your brand needs to adapt to, to different people's situations. And that that's to me like the highest level of consistency in branding mm-hmm. is being able to think, what are the situations where somebody's in, and particularly individual candidate situations? If you're hiring retail, if you're hiring healthcare, right? Um, if you're hiring manufacturing, like a lot of those things are restrictive in terms of device usage or, or things like that. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, what are those four or five key situations we might be having? Mm-hmm. How do we make it as consistent as possible in terms of communicating the brand without making it the same experience? Because replicating the same experience across a variety of devices and scenarios doesn't always make the most sense either, right? right? You can have a, people will read a 5,000 word article, right? On a desktop, if you give them the right time or, or probably right. printed, they're not gonna do that on a mobile device. Right. Yeah, right. probably not. Yeah. Serving up the right information at the right time on the right device is key. Yeah. Like right. you said, nobody's gonna read that article on their mobile because mobile, you need to be quick. You need to yeah. be agile, you know? So it's like making sure that you're adapting and being consistent in your messaging overall in your look and feel is key. Yeah. Well, I think the when you said agile, um, it, it sparked in, in my head. Like, I think the thing that's really important today, and we see more and more folks interested in this, which is because it's so complicated to nail this and to really make it work. Is mm-hmm. you, you really have to look at it much more from the agile perspective, in that yeah. you need to get things out there, and then you need to find what's broken and you need to fix it. And I don't mean like broken, broken, but I mean. Where, where are there bumps? Right. Where are there things that where Where's things just don't quite line right? up? Yeah. Yes, right. It's just like let's move well, those out. It goes to a larger point, right? In consumer forever, you've had brand managers, right? Mm. This has not been a typical mm. typical role that every um, HR department has. So we're seeing that increasingly. You know, so and so is going to be you know the director of a, you know of this brand, and that's great. And that's really important, but. Even if you don't formally have that title within your organization because you're too small, you may need to take on that title yourself and make sure that you're not just thinking as like the top HR recruiter, but like this brand manager that's preserving the products and preserving the, the integrity of the brand. Um, I mean, in many ways, that's, that's what a planner is supposed to be doing on the agency side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important for HR professionals to also consider branding not just in the the visual space, the, the tone space, and then the creative space, which is typical, but also the offerings you're having. Yeah. So if you're going to market and saying, we've got this great culture, and maybe you do, but you have like a really bad, let's say we've got a great culture, we, we support work-life balance, and maybe that's really true, but you have no paternity policy, 
that's a problem. Yeah. So like from yeah. a consistency <laughs> standpoint, that is something that you need to fix in your brand, that as mm -hmm. much as part of your brand as anything. You know, I think it's important for people to think about those benefits and things like that that look really odd. You know, you go to market with a huge diversity program, but you don't offer same-size benefits. See, and I think you're, yeah. you're hitting on something that um, I love, which is this notion that your brand is absolutely anything that anybody could interact with that would be influential to them. Yeah. And it's, so it's not just what something looks like, it's not a color palette, but it's, you know, it's like the clothes that people are wearing like at your office, it's policies, it's... So, oh, but that's the, the policy it's thing? everything, it's just well, like, so, like giant yeah, fabric. I love like that, it's what it, is it Nordstrom that I think that their one policy is do the right thing for the customer. Mm -hmm. It's like that's, they have one sentence in their employee handbook. Um, and I think it, it's very powerful, right? And you mm. see that and you're like, oh my gosh, like that really says something about the culture. But I think, you know, I, I really believe you can tell a huge amount about an organization by their time and expense policy. Like, do we trust our employees? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's frankly, yeah. it's really important. It's your social media policy. If none of your employees can use social media, like, that's kind of a problem. And I get why, and everybody argues with legal and don't, I, I know the pain of that, right? <laughs> you know? But I think it's important to understand, like, what are key policies? Because that can potentially be a huge part. That can be a brand asset mm -hmm. if you write your policies well. Not every policy has to be there, but you know, what if what if as part of your organization trust was a huge, huge part of your brand? And you said your our travel and expense policy is really simple. We trust you to make the right decisions in the financial benefit of the company. Right? And you know, our consumers are paying for this as much, so just do the right thing. You know, that's something you can actually put on a career site and people, especially people who come from like onerous kind of corporate overlord situations yeah. might be, oh my god, like they really trust people. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a hard ask, right? And I get it, but I think you can look for those pieces that say something about your brand and like demonstrate the consistency. Mm. Um, and it isn't just the creative. I think that, you know, I, I've often said the, the like the parable of the pen to me is, is very important. Uh, if I go into an organization and I need a pen, where do I have to get that pen? Like is there a supply closet? Will someone loan it to me? If I had to take something without, and the person wasn't there, would they mind? You know, that says a huge amount about a culture. Um, and you know, if your pens are behind lock and key and I have to fill out a requisition form to get a box of pens, like, what is that saying about your trust of employees? Um, so I think it's important to kind of look through some of these consistency yeah. arguments through these little parts that really begin to express that culture and the trust a company and the relationship a company has with employees because that is marketable when done right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and potentially damaging um, if a candidate comes in and all of a sudden you said it's we're really, really free wheeling, but now sign this hundred page document that's not gonna ever allow you to take another job for the next five years. Yeah. Wow. Crazy thoughts. Yeah, I was like, I It says something, you know, even in consistency of branding. So right. the, the swag that you give away, is it cheap or is it branded? Frankly, I, I get it, like people don't have don't have um, big budgets, but if you give me a swag bag and it's like some cheap ass t-shirt, right, and a really like poorly made water bottle and like this cheap dick pen, right? I'd rather you give me one really nice pen that costs the same amount as all that than give me a bunch of cheap stuff because it's communicating cheapness. And it tells me like how you invest in your employees. What well, could be your brand is cheap? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. And so if, if your brand is cheap, like, and make that a brand brand value, you know, yeah. because someone's like, wow, I really like that they spend their money. They don't spend their money on swag. They spend their and you know maybe that's an opportunity, right? For the right brand, you could say, you you give someone a printed card that said, we would give you a a big bag of swag, but we'd rather spend the money for on swag on like onboarding or something like that. That could be a very very powerful marker, and I I can guarantee you that is a story that somebody would carry with them. And think about in the next interview where they do get that bag of swag, and they're like, "Why are they spending twenty bucks per candidate on that?" Or you say, maybe if you're a very socially conscious organization, instead of giving you this swag, we donated twenty dollars to the World Wildlife Fund. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it yeah. says a lot about your organization. Those are opportunities to sort of think about like how you're telling your brand story and making sure that all those touch points are really consistent across the brand. Oh, that's great. Well, so in true insight fashion, we we could talk about literally any topic, no matter how minuscule, ridiculous, deep, all, all day. So can we all endorse our favorite pens? They'll be awesome. But so oh yeah. But, but we should like we should wrap up. Like I want I wanted to wrap up by asking you guys like a little bit about some things that you guys are are just loving right now. It could be anything, but some, something that you just find like that you're just obsessed with. Like how great it is. So what am I obsessed with? Tell me something. Do you have something you're obsessed with? Do you have a like, favorite pen that you're obsessed with? I mean, I can, I can well, start I mean, with that. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'll start with it. The, the one thing that I cannot get enough of is that medium.com. Oh. So, two, <laughs> let me tell you, there's two things of it. I know, it's great. And especially as like a total tech nerd. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I, like, I nerd out on this so I love, I love the, the, the tech stuff that people post there. And I'll tell you the two things for me, and these were, these were kind of, um, Almost like eye openers when I kind of like saw the, the one thing, of course, is actually maybe I'll mention there's three because we're talking about brand. The brand consistency between just their whole consumer product and their careers section job postings. Yeah, I love yeah. It is, I've never they seen use their something product to do it. exactly. <laughs> I've never seen something kind of so blended. So when you go to like media is. Like what they do really, I think best is really this sort of like long form. Oh, so yeah. So if you don't, if you don't know Medium, so I think that this is one of the sites that really uh, was instrumental in bringing kind of long form journalism back, and not not from like a professional standpoint, like the Atlantic and New York Times. New York Times like always kind of owned long form journalism, I think, uh, really well. But this was really a place for anybody to come and blog, all within a single community. But it's it's really high value sort of fairly long pieces, that's most right. of what's there. There, there's, there are short things, and the platform works really well for all of those, but it's just a really amazing blogging experience, both from the blogger standpoint and from the consumer standpoint of it. And it, they just did a really good job with it. It's beautiful, um, it's, it's just a pleasure to read. They have a lot of like really nice things. And they basically built the career site within medium.com, just like it was other pages there. And clearly there's some little special bits, but when you get in there, it's a long-form career site, just like most of yeah. their, the yeah. things they have are long-form. And so here's the interesting part. If you go through their job descriptions, and I, I didn't remember this, but then I went back and checked because I thought, this must be true. There is not a single bullet point in any one of their job descriptions. Mm -hmm. Like I went back and looked through a bunch of them, there was no bullet points. But, but it really says something about them. And when you read the job descriptions, they don't, it's, and it's not like they disguised a list of qualifications. Mm -hmm. All the job descriptions are sort of describing kind of the kind of person that they're looking for, what you might be thinking, like how you kind of see yourself fitting in. Like it's 
a lot much more like they're clearly looking for fit and yeah. not looking for a hard list of skills. And the reality is like when I see those bullet points on job descriptions, like so many of them are just negotiable anyways, and I think people don't even know what to think. Microsoft Office nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> like I just see ridiculous things. So so I love so I love that aspect of it. And then the one other piece that I was kind of like I opener for me was in reading through, like I read a lot of things there, especially things that are like highly technical. And many people actually do mention where they work. Now a lot of the places they work are startups. Some of them are like bigger companies like Google. A lot of them are like very tech forward, but even like small mentions sometimes of individual brands, like will, I, I noticed that I walk away with a really strong impression of what that like that technology combined with that brand and why they were using it, yeah. about what I think about them. And I, and I had a specific example which kind of blew my mind was I was reading an article about a really forward-thinking philosophy within design of about, uh, it, was, it was technology, like it was programming and how you would design like technology architecture. And it was a very specific, very, very forward-thinking thing. And the guy said that he was working on this at Walmart Canada. Because for them, the, they had to provide a consumer experience that for the e-com, it was for their e-com site, that could withstand literally any number of hits to the site with it basically still have it respond instantly. Hmm. And that said a huge amount, and this was a very forward-thinking technology. So immediately in my, in my mind, I leave thinking that that uh, Walmart Canada e-com group is all about trying new things with whatever technologies, mm -hmm. They're, and they're willing to like let people like come in, bring ideas. Um, they they care immensely about the consumer experience so much so that they're willing to try these new things. Like yeah. I left with this really strong impression, and this was literally like a four sentence paragraph within this post. And it was kind of an eye opener to me for like how powerful this was. Just like that was it. It was like such yeah. a small little thing. So uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of blew my mind. So <laughs> I'm like so hooked on just how powerful that is as a platform, yeah. both for it, from that aspect, but also just in what they're trying to do, and I realize why people would want to join this brand. Well, it's amazing. I think it's also, it's very different from the blog, and I think it's important to understand that. And yeah. I think mm, what's yeah. interesting about Medium is the, the topics that have been, that have evolved on that platform are like intensely technical, or very like design philosophy, right. but interestingly, um, Diversity is a huge platform for that because yeah. it's kind of it, what's great is it's it's the type of thing where you can sit there and talk about a topic or a thought that you had without having to continue it on. Mm -hmm. You're like, I just had this it's point of view. Yeah. I just want to share it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it's really powerful. And I've seen people really experimenting with the platform, using it as like a photojournalism site and things like that. So I think that there's you know, and I think people often forget that like it's a platform. It's not a dictate, <laughs> and like you you should you know a career site is a platform. Not a dictate. Like you, you can do anything that you want within that. Like be creative and, and find yeah. that. You know. Um, so, so yeah. So that's the one thing I'm in love with. You know. I'm, I, I gotta say, for me, uh, the thing I'm in love with is the Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, oh really? Uh, yeah. So oh, from the musical. I cannot <laughs> stop listening from the musical Hamilton. Um, and I think what's so interesting to me is, um, so I grew up in a household that has like a lot of musicals and stuff like that. And, um, and, and I've always kind of like liked them, um, but you know I'm not like some weird musical theater obsessive or anything like that. But 
uh, a friend of mine told me about one song on the Hamilton soundtrack. She's like, oh, it's really good. It could, it could actually be a pop song. And that inspired me to kind of listen to it. And obviously, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's, a, it's the story of Alexander Hamilton. Right. Um, written through a musical, but it's hip-hop. And, and so basically it, it explores, explores the, the entire history of hip-hop, weirdly, kind of through, through the musical as well and, and the birth of the nation. But I think what's been interesting to me is like, first of all, it's just a great soundtrack. Um, and there's no denying it. Um, but I think it's also really interesting to say you can tell a story a lot of different ways. And if uh, the big, you know, the, originally the big thing about Hamilton that was coming out was the entire cast was, well, except for the, the king, um, was black or Latino. And that was like the, the original story that was like, oh my god, they made, you know, like, right. so, but I think what was interesting is the, the dialogue shifted and it was like, oh, they're using rap in a really interesting way and mashing it up. And so it became less about a laugh about this, but I think what's been really interesting about Hamilton is I've, I've listened to the dialogue and, and thought about it a lot more. It's about being able to tell a story, which make the, the biography of Alexander Hamilton, like I cannot even imagine what that pitch process <laughs> went through. Um, oh, man. But it's not, but I, they didn't shy away from it. And I think that this is what, I mean, I, to bring it back to our, our field, um, although everybody's down there, um, it's on Spotify, it's great. Uh, but I think what's important is, so often they're like, I feel like clients will come and be like, we really want to be fun, right? We really want to be fun and be this. I'm like, be you, yeah. right? The story didn't change. They're talking about like cabinet meetings and mm -hmm. things like that. But the tone through which they told it and the medium through which they told it, and, and importantly, like the, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know what, what I would call it, but like the, the, the genre mm -hmm. through which they told that, mm. put that, frankly, exciting but kind of boring story in, into a new light which allowed them to bring out the, the really exciting part so I think that that's important to remember that like if your culture isn't Google's be you I mean right. we tell our clients this all the time but I think that it's like figure out how to tell that story in a really interesting way maybe you do have really onerous corporate policies fine like let's work to find out a really really interesting way of telling it maybe you know we take your social media policy because you have to have it like we could tell through a rap. Mm -hmm. Please don't. No. Uh, Terrible no, idea. No, no, no. Nobody please do don't. Please don't. Nobody do that. Sorry, take that back. Not uh, or an infographic. No, right? or, or maybe it's like a social media training or something mm -hmm. like that. And I think that that's, that's important to, to be able to say that like you can take boring material and reconceptualize it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can make the most pedantic thing seem really, really interesting. Right. Um, and I think that's what Hamilton has kind of taught me. It wasn't, yes, there's love stories and all this stuff in it, but I, I think it's, it's about using a different medium to tell your story and seeing what that allows you to do. Right. Which is kind of funny because it kind of relates to what it is that I'm like in love with right now. I'm like totally into upcycling and like DIY stuff. Like I will go to Ikea and get the barest thing and then put my own personality to it. Oh, making yeah. your own. Yeah. Completely. Like, it doesn't have to be this. I get to put my vision into it. I don't have to take someone else's stuff. I can craft it and mold it to make it my own. Do you have, yeah. do you have, like, a, do you have like a recent project that you did that's really amazing that you just like, I do. so proud of? I do. I know. We'll, have to, we'll, have to put, we'll have to put some photos along with this oh my God, it's so, so people awesome. can see the, the things. Okay, so what it's is so it? It's so awesome. It's um, this desk. I, I sprayed the legs and I covered it with like a crocodile leather fabric. And then there's like a glass top, and then I put the drawer handles on it. It's like so awesome. a ton of tchotchkes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I totally redid my office. So yeah, that that desk is mine. My pride. Okay, so we need, so now we need photos of this. Oh my god, I was totally I think, I think it's really interesting. <laughs> you don't have photos like in your iPhone, like no, right? I didn't. <laughs> it's like like you want, you want photos of your kids. Their I think pets. it's really yeah. interesting though. Like yeah. it, it, you're right, you're right. You think it's a starting point, right? Right. It's not an ending it's, point. It's my foundation, right? And so yeah. like, what are the core things of your foundation, and let that let that it grow from there, right? Right. And I think and that I that, put my own self out there. You yeah. Know? I put my personality in it. I told the story that I wanted to tell. I didn't let someone else tell my story. Yeah. So. And I think that, that that's actually kind of interesting is even if you think about the job description, right? What if a company kind of came out and framed the job description and said, this is your baseline, this is your platform, this is your IKEA lack table, mm -hmm. right? It's your job to take this and add your personality and figure out a really interesting creative way to say, here's the basics, right, right of what you're going to do. What we want to know in this application process is how would you inject your own personality into this? Right. You know, That's I think so about like that customization, <laughs> yeah. I think that would be really cool. I mean, very, very kind of hard to do, but, but, not, <laughs> but not impossible. I mean, realistically, like, maybe you don't have to go the full hog and, and do the maintenance side. The other way to do that is do a bare bones thing mm -hmm. and actually say, we're going to assume that you can meet those qualifications, right, if you're applying to this. Like, tell us how you would use those to create a new experience for our customers. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. All right, well. All right, so if you want to do that, let us know. <laughs> Interesting. Of course, of course. All right, well, well we should wrap. It's been uh, quite a while. Yeah. We, always, we always aim to, to cover 15 minutes, and we talk for like two hours. Yeah. But anyway, um, that, that was really terrific. I love Thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Thank uh, you Aisha, for thanks, me. Stephen. Yeah. Um, terrific. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks. thanks.